Welcome to the EQ Podcast. All right, welcome to the EQ Podcast, a show focused on equipping ministry leaders within the Calvary Chapel Association in the Pacific Northwest. I'm your host, Zach Lamberson, and I'm excited to be able to interview some of the guest speakers we've had at this conference, in our ministry conference here in Kennewick, Washington, this last week. And, uh, you know, we've had a number of guests over the last few weeks that we've had on the show. And with me today is a very special friend, uh, Pastor Holland Davis of Calvary Chapel San Clemente in California, suffering for the Lord down there in the beautiful Southern California. How are you doing, Holland? I'm suffering. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm also excited to have in studio today, Brandon B. He's a recording artist, producer, and pastor. Plus, he's my friend. So how are you doing, Brandon? (laughs) That's the most important part in there. Uh, Holland, we really, you know, we, we brought you up from California to be a part of this conference and, you know, one, because you, you're a great worship leader, uh, and you know, you have a heart towards, you know, worship ministry and, and you have a conference actually coming up before we even get to the episode, you want to share a little bit about your conference that's going to be taking place in September? Yeah. Every year we have a, an annual conference. It's, uh, we call it the West coast worship conference and, um, it's just, two, three days of just worship, equipping, refreshment. Um, We invite worship leaders, first of all, to be refreshed in the presence of Jesus, just in the worship times, uh, but also to be kind of challenged. And we have guys doing workshops. Some of the best um, clinicians in the country are coming out, and they just kind of share things, give people new ideas to try. And, And it's not just, you know, designed for big churches. It's mostly designed for small to middle-sized churches. They're just looking for ways to do what big churches do without big church budgets. Mm-hmm. And and then the other third thing that we really like to promote is relationship. We want people to build friendships and bonds, you know, that can turn into, uh, you know, things where they do things together even throughout the year. And we've seen uh, worship leader groups kind of form in different regions uh, out of the conference. And and we also try to provide a, a, an annual resource of new songs and and all for the worship leaders, and then um, and then have a way for them to continue to get those songs on our website ccaworship.com. We have all the um, past worship conferences that I was part of, uh, even going back to Costa Mesa days, you know, back into the '90s. And so um, there's like a ton of workshops and just. You know, people are always saying, you know, is there training that we can get? And it's all there online, you know, 10 years worth of worship conferences that they can um, they can glean from. And so it's kind of fun to see. But the dates are, I believe, September 22nd. 21st through 23rd. I just pulled yeah, up the website. Yeah. 21st, 22nd, 23rd. Yep. And, um, and the cost is relatively low. We try to keep it so that people could bring teams uh, down. And um, we're just going to be an awesome time. And it's at Calvary Chapel. Calvary Chapel, Chino Valley. Chino Valley. Yeah. I don't want to confuse with Chino Hills, which is like a block what down is the that? road. <laughs> you've, never, <laughs> you've never heard of that place. Uh, <laughs> that's great. And I, I've been to the conference. I'll tell you this firsthand. I actually won a Mini Martin. Did you know that? I won a Mini You won Martin the Mini Martin? At the conference. Yeah. I've never won anything. I won the Mini Martin at your conference. Oh, that is so awesome. So there's, there's your plug for the conference. Uh, yeah, Holland, we do I, give away swag. Yeah. <laughs> well, Martin did, but yeah. I appreciate it. <laughs> uh, I, I want to hear just about, 
your kind of background, um, you know, maybe a little bit about how you got saved, because you were there pretty close to the beginning of the Jesus movement. You know, we, one of the things we've been focusing on in these early episodes is the Jesus revolution, just because in light of that movie, and I'm, I'm seeing people respond, you know, we kind of want to talk to people who are kind of there, boots on the ground, and get their impression of it. But could you give us real quickly just a background of maybe how you got involved, or even how you got saved, and then got involved with that movement? Yeah, because um, I got saved when I was 12. So it had been 1973 in Japan. My dad was in the military. And so um, we went to this group. Called, it was a Young Life group. I didn't know uh, what that was, but all I knew is they had free food and all the girls went to this group. Mm. And so, you know, what do you, how do you attract 12 year old boys? You know, it's like free food and girls. So um, I went to this thing, not expecting anything. And um, I was learning how to play guitar at the time. And so they had, you know, two or three people with guitar. They found out I was playing, learning how to play. They said, hey, bring your guitar. So I was leading worship before I was saved. I was just playing guitar with these guys. And um, one day, a couple things happened. One, they brought these two guys, hippies from uh, Germany. And they had, were in the musical hair in Germany and had a radical salvation experience. So that kind of, they came and shared their testimony with us. And that kind of kind of got my attention thinking about God. I didn't give my life to the Lord, but I was just kind of curious. And then a few weeks later, the Bible, you know, the way Young Life was back then is that they would sing some songs, then would read the Bible, and then that was it. And no games like uh, like a lot of the Young Life today. But um, he was reading John chapter 3, and he got to John three sixteen For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And when he read those words, you would not perish but have everlasting life, I heard this audible voice just say, Holland, I love you. And as soon as I heard that voice, I just felt this incredible love and warmth, and I just started sobbing. And so the guy, knowing what was happening, started reading louder, and a couple you know, sentences later, he kicked me and said, hey, dude, you're like interrupting my Bible study. And <laughs> Take a hike. Yeah. And I'm like, I, so I was like trying to pull myself together, and so I came back the next week, and I said... This is what happened to me. And and he says, oh, you've been born again. And I said, well, what does that mean? And he says, well, now you're part of the family of God and you belong to Jesus. He's living in you. And I said, well, what do I do? And they said, read your Bible and pray. And so that's what I did. I didn't even know you were supposed to go to church. He didn't tell me that. And so I would just read my Bible and pray. And I was told that everything in the Bible is true. And so... I just, God would teach me out of his word. And so we eventually came to California or came back to America, actually. And my dad wanted to go to some churches. And we would go to these churches and I would hear things like miracles don't happen today. That was for back then. You know, we don't need miracles today. Um, you know, the, the Holy Spirit doesn't do those things. You know, that was a special time in history. And I got confused because I'm like, you know, I was just told that you could believe the Bible. Right. So we come to California and I mean, listening to the radio and I hear this guy on the radio go, uh, the Bible is true and 
everything in the Bible is happening at Calvary Chapel. <laughs> and so I just said, oh, I got to find this Calvary Chapel because I'm living in Vista at the time and I didn't know where Calvary Chapel was. I figured it was like in another state or something. And I found out it was like literally up the road, like 40 minutes. And so some of my friends, we all got together and we would drive up to Calvary Chapel and see what was going on up there. And what year was this? This was like, um, see, by this time I'm 15 because I couldn't drive at first. So this is like 76. Okay. And then um, uh, about, oh, about a few months after that, a bookstore opens up in our town, <clears throat> Loaves and Fishes. And I wanted to be in the ministry. And so I figured working for a Christian bookstore is like being in the ministry, right? So I went and I applied and I got the job and I'm, I would bring my guitar in because it wasn't a very busy bookstore. And so the owner figured out I played guitar and they gave me praise one through four. And they said, we have this Bible study, come to this Bible study and play these songs. And so I just did what I did in my room. I'd spend hours in my room just worshiping God, didn't know. This is before there was language. So there was no such thing as a worship leader. There was no such thing as, I mean, we're just singing songs. Yeah. And so, um, and so this Bible study, I would play these songs and close my eyes and I would sense the presence of God like I would do in my room. And then I'd open my eyes and all these people would be lifting their hands and they'd be crying and, and they were experiencing what I was experiencing. And about a month into that, the guy goes, um, we're going to start a church. It's called Calvary Chapel. And uh, that was Calvary Chapel Vista. And Holland's our worship leader. And I was like, that's when the first time I heard the term worship leader and I realized, oh, I guess I'm a worship leader now. <laughs> and well, I better sweet. find out what that is. And so that was when I was 16. And I think at that time, I was like one of the youngest worship leaders in the Calvary Chapel, you know, group, right. fellowship. So that's awesome. So you're a few years after kind of the, you know, inception of the the revolution and, and, and what happened and what took place. But what were your impressions? I mean, you're, it wasn't too far, far after. I mean, what was going on at the church? What were you seeing? What was something that, you know, was really obvious to you about that movement? Well, the thing that was so great, I mean, when I was 17, this guy by the name of Lonnie Frisbee came to our church and did, uh, he, he kind of came in and he said, we're going to, you know, the Holy Spirit's been kicked out of the church. We're going to welcome him back into the church. Hmm. And, um, and so we're like, okay. I mean, we didn't know, right? We're just, I'm just like, at this time, I'm like 17. I don't know anything. And so he said, what would you do? how would you welcome a king? And he said, you would bow. So we all bowed. And he said, we're going to welcome, thank, you know, welcome, he prayed a prayer, welcome Jesus back into this church. And then he said, now he's going to start touching people. And he just went, you know, went around the room and you could hear him say, oh, the Lord is touching you. The Lord is touching you. The Lord is touching you. And I thought, I wish the Lord would touch me. <laughs> and, uh, and so after a little bit of this, I feel this tap on the shoulder and it's Lonnie and I had this orange t-shirt on and he goes, the Lord is touching you. 
And that was it. And then he walked away. And I said, that's it, Lord? I mean, you're just going to touch me? I don't want you just to touch me. I want, I want everything you have for me. I want you to fill me. Whatever you have, I want it all and more. I want everything you have for me and more. Just whatever it is and more. I want it all. And this went on for like 10 minutes. And then a few, after about 10 minutes, I feel another touch on my shoulder. And it's Lonnie. And he goes, come here. And he brought me up front. And he, and he told me everything I'd been praying. You prayed this, 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 this. God's going to give it to you. And he looked at me and he said, give it to him, Lord. <laughs> and, wow. and all of a sudden, I felt like a thousand volts of electricity went through my body. And I was just, I felt, I was just like stunned. And then he looked at me and he said, and you wanted more. So he goes, give him more, Lord. <laughs> and all of a sudden it intensified. He was like, give him more, Lord. And if you knew Lonnie, Lonnie was very like dramatic. And so he's like, give him more, like that. And I was like, I, I felt like I was going to die. It was so intense. Wow. And then he looked at me and he goes, this has never happened to you before, has it? <laughs> And I said, no. And he said, more, you know, like that. And, and, and then he spoke over my life. And at this time, I am, I'm so overwhelmed by what is happening that um, I just, I didn't hear what he said, but people that were there that heard what he said has watched it come true in my life. And, um, and then at the end, uh, he just, once, once everything was done, he just said, when I was 17, I planted my first church. God's going to use you to plant churches. And, and we've planted like seven churches in our life. And um, the, we're at our last, what I believe to be our last assignment. And, um, you know, the last church we just planted. And we've just seen God do this. And then when Lonnie would come to San Diego, I would lead worship for him. And, and as they would say, you know, any ministry you did with Lonnie was dangerous because um, no one was safe in the room. Like everyone was fair game to God. And oftentimes the Lord would end up ministering to me because I needed a lot of ministry in those days. Yeah. Crazy. It was very crazy. It's <laughs> awesome. That's, uh, yeah, you know, Considering how close you were, you know, because, you know, the movie, we're, you know, we've been talking about the movie a little bit. The movie leaves off and Lonnie goes to Florida. You don't really hear anything about his ministry after that. And I know he kind of fell away for a while and wasn't really following the Lord, but that's powerful. That's crazy. Yeah, there's, the movie isn't 100% accurate. Yeah. But it's, you know, it kind of, the one thing I did love about the movie is that you got, a flavor of the love and the acceptance. And that was huge. I mean, we we felt loved. I mean, I it was the time of my life where I felt loved by God the most, except for now. It seems like now we're in a season where the love of God is being poured out in a fresh new way. And, and we've just been having these wonderful times of God in our worship where people are just feeling the love of God. They walk in and they just feel loved and they don't know why. And that's how it was in the Jesus movement. It's like you would just feel loved and you felt connected to the to other brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, we started a, a Bible study in a home with just students, high school students. And we had like four or five churches coming to this Bible study. And 
And it was just to worship and study the word. And it was a spontaneous, it's just our friends. We decided to get together and do it. And it wasn't like, it wasn't with the church, even though we were all with different churches, it wasn't like a church Bible study. It was just, we were just hungry for God and we just got together and did stuff. And then we started Christian uh, clubs on campuses as an outreach and um, just started doing kind of the same thing there. And uh, through that, um, you know, ended up planning one in Vista and one in Oceanside at the high school. And God just was moving in these radical ways for evangelism. And then we had a, a punk rock band that was doing um, outreaches at like colleges and universities and prisons. And and God was just moving to, to win souls. That's really what it was. It wasn't like a, today it's like the big thing is like you go together and you have these Holy Ghost, you know, encounters back then it was jesus encounters and it was with non-christians meeting jesus and having encounters with jesus and the stories of people that would encounter angels you know they'd be hitchhiking pick up an angel and that angel would minister to them and then disappear out of their car that was like a common story we would hear Uh, we'd hear stories of guys that would run out of gas and yet their car just kept going till they got to their destination, you know? It yeah, was Brandon, crazy. You have a story like that, don't you, Brandon? Oh, I absolutely do. <laughs> yeah, I have a story of, uh, I was in Utah and I was on tour and I was, yeah, playing in a, in a you know, Christian band. We were doing worship at a lot of places. And uh, we that morning uh, decided we don't have anything to do today. And so, you know what? We're going to just go meet people and share Jesus with people. And so we prayed that morning. We said, okay, God, give us, you know, anything. Give us prompts. Give us whatever. Like, who are we supposed to talk to? And uh, there was something about green shoes, which, you know, there's a weird thing out there called uh, um, treasure hunting is what they call it. I didn't know anything about treasure hunting, so that's not what we were doing. But I guess kind of that's what we were doing, not on purpose. Anyway, some people are weirded out by it. But anyway, it was just honest. We wanted to go talk to people, and we wanted to have some kind of idea of who we were supposed to talk to. So we had to go to the hardware store for something. We go inside the hardware store, and we see somebody with green shoes. And so we're like, well, I guess we got to go talk to him. <laughs> and so we went and talked to him. We had no clue. We were like, hey, you know, we just want just want to get to know you <laughs> randomly at a hardware store. And, and he's like, okay. And I said, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, we're Christians and we love Jesus. We want to pray for you. Like, that's what we want to do. So I would love to get to know you, but is there anything specifically that you need prayer for? And he says, you know what? Um, actually, I, my toe is broken and I've been having a hard time um, you know, when you get your toes broken, you don't actually wear casts or anything. And right. so as you just, and he's a construction guy. So, I mean, I could see that being, you know, a deal. And so I was like, okay, let's pray. So we pray for him and, and he's, he's not a Christian, but he feels like an experience. Like he's like, wow, like something's happening and I don't know what's happening. And he's like, I don't think I feel any pain. And I'm like, okay, well, cool. I mean, I, I didn't, I didn't expect anything either, to be really honest. I know that sounds bad, but I didn't expect. Well, what the coolest part is not the fact that maybe his toe was healed, but the coolest thing was, hey, you need to meet our my my girlfriend. And so we start walking out with him to go uh, meet his girlfriend. His girlfriend gets out of the car. We like we're still halfway to her in the parking lot. She gets out. She falls on her knees. She starts to cry. 
and I don't even know what's actually going on. We're like, and 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 so we get to her, and she says, "I've been praying that God would reach my husband," and she doesn't even know that I'd even said anything. <laughs> and so we ended up, you know, praying for her and uh, and praying for their their relationship and stuff. So yeah, I mean, it's real. It's yeah. real. It's still happening now, not just in the seventies. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, that's the thing I I keep telling people is that we're still in the Jesus movement. He never stopped moving. He actually started in Acts chapter 2. And um, <laughs> it's kind of been going since then. It's the Jesus continuation is what we should call it. Right? Yeah. It's not ever stopped. That's it was it, We're in Acts chapter 29. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a whole church movement called Acts chapter 29 with that yeah. mentality, which, yeah. is, which is cool. So you... You were there in the beginning, you saw stuff. You mentioned that you see the same kind of stuff happening now in the church. Um, what are some differences that you'd say between what took place then and what's going on now in the, in the church or maybe just even in the culture? Because that was something that we've noticed when we've had guests on. They said there's a ripeness about the culture during that time. I mean, people were ready for Jesus and just with the hippies and all the turmoil in the world. Um, what is, you know, what, what do you think? I think like. In 2023, one of the things that um, God showed us about this year is that it would be a year of very deep hunger for God. And this is before, like I do a, like a, what I call a, what the Spirit is saying to our church message, like at the end of the year. This year we did it the first week in January. And, um, and it's kind of like what God is saying to our church as far as what the year is going to be like. And this year, God just told us this was going to be a year of hunger. People are going to just be hungry for the Lord like never before. And this is before Asbury happened and all these other things. And where where we're seeing that, there's just a real hunger to know God, just like it was uh, during the Jesus movement. You know, when when the when people were what I loved in the movie, the, a line that really defined it is they he said. Um, you know, all these hippies are taking drugs. And the reason why is because they're looking for God. And um, in our culture today, uh, it's very similar. People are looking for God. And they don't know where to look. They don't trust the church um, because the church has uh, become corrupt in a lot of ways. You know, there's like scandals. And so like, if you can't trust the church, where do you go? And so it's in our area, what's interesting, it's just like this, like the 60s, people are turning to Eastern mysticism. And they're actually blending Eastern mysticism with Christianity. So you have uh, these groups that they, um, they meditate and they read the Bible. Or they, you know, they chant to Buddha and they... And then they sing worship songs. Wow. You know, it's just a weird thing because... People are, are wanting to connect with God, but they don't know how. And so when they meet people that really know Jesus, it, it really draws them in. And, um, mm -hmm. But at the same time, we have this mic stand that's falling down. <laughs> but at the same time, we have, um, we have the church has become politicized. And so... And so there's a um, there's almost like a um, uh, a false gospel 
that's yeah. just kind of like stepped in. So like people feel like, like if you're not a Republican, you're not a Christian. And that's put off a lot of people, mm. but it's also catalyzed a lot of people. And, and so it's, it's a very divisive time. Whereas like the gospel during the Jesus movement, it united people. It like brought, you know, like the famous song, you know, long hair, short hair, coats and ties. Yeah. It's like it unified people. And one of the things that um, that the that the movie didn't accurately portray, and, and that is at Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa, uh, in the early days when the hippies started coming around, the people actually embraced them. There was a they welcomed them. They, they loved having the hippies there and they became like uh like parents to them and they loved on these kids and and that's why they stayed it wasn't just chuck and it wasn't just k it was the church and so there was this love was was one of the um kind of the main uh things that was in the air and today I don't see as much the love. I, I see as much. There are definitely group segments, but there's a hunger for love. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They really want to experience that love. Yeah. And, um, and so in our church, we tell people there's no age barrier. There's just Jesus. And Jesus brings young and old together. And we're seeing that starting to happen in our church and um, with families and uh, and it, and we're really it's it's really about just focusing on Jesus, and um, and so that's kind of what I see. I almost see there's a real hunger for God, but a real distrust of the church, mm -hmm. and so it's almost like Christians have to go outside the church to bring people into the church. Like they they can't just invite people to church like it was for a while. It's like they have to know that you are someone that really knows Jesus. And so um, I'll give you a story. We uh, we were uh, we do an afterglow service every Tuesday, and um, and so this week we just thought, you know what? Me and the guy that that does it, Roger Charles, we went to um, our uh, into downtown San Clemente and just started praying. You know, on the streets of San Clemente, just sat down, started praying, and asking the Lord, you know, what do you want us to do here? This is the town that you've given us, what are we supposed to do here? Send someone to us to minister to. And nothing happened during that time. So we went to have dinner before. And as we're at dinner, the Lord highlighted the person that was serving us. And, you know, and God gave us a word for him, for this person. And we just shared that word. And then all of a sudden they're just crying at the table. And they're like, I can't cry. I'm working. And, um, and it's like, it would just, it was totally out of sight of the context of the church but it was exactly what they needed to hear. And so all of a sudden it's like Jesus left the church building and met the people where they were at. And that's what the Jesus movement was. Mm -hmm. um, there wasn't mm -hmm. professional Christians. I, I feel like today we have professional evangelists. Mm -hmm. So like if you want to get someone saved, you, you take them to the Harvest Crusade. You don't lead them to Jesus, you know. You like wait for the professional to do it. And, um, and, and in fact, you know, that's part of the popularity of like someone like Jordan Peterson, who he's a professional, right? He's a doctor of psychology. So he really knows what he's talking about. It's like, everyone says, oh, you're really smart. And so there's a lot of people listening to him because of his credentials. 
And because people are looking for people that are believable. And unfortunately, in the church, there's a lot of people that aren't believable. Mm. But when they meet real Christians, it's life-changing. Yeah. I have a couple thoughts. The last thing you just said, though, what's interesting is that, you know, when you're talking about Jordan Peterson, and of course, people, a lot of people like Joe Rogan, right? It's like the biggest podcast in the history of whatever. It's like crazy. Joe who? (laughs) Anyway, um, uh, these guys, uh, there's something else that I find very unique about them is not only are they super smart. Uh, in Joe Rogan, I don't know if I would have ever considered as super smart, but it's interesting. All of the he's 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 vulnerable and he's authentic, and I think that that's the thing that that people really like about Jordan Peterson, about Joe Rogan. But what's interesting is these guys that are smart and they're authentic and they are vulnerable. Both of them are having these very strange Jesus experiences. Right, like it's incredible how. Um, and so I, again, I don't, this was totally off. Like I was just going off of what you said, but it's interesting how maybe God's going to end up using some of these really smart guys that are vulnerable and, and authentic again, because I think, again, what you're saying is I think in the church, we are lacking slight vulnerability and authenticity because we're trying to put up a front to keep something going all the time. Um, I think it was you that made a comment even like, um, you know, it used to be like, you know, the musicians, you know, you got to look like a rock star. Now the preachers are trying to look like rock stars. Exactly. <laughs> and, um, and so like all the preachers are wearing skinny jeans yep. and, um, and I, I wear skinny jeans, but I look like a Tootsie Pop. I don't look like, you know, like you're not, I, yeah. I, I don't look like the guy in skinny jeans. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's kind of like there's a persona that are that try that that people are trying to put up that they think people are going to be attracted to. Yeah. And in the Jesus movement, everyone was just attracted to Jesus. They were just pointing people to Jesus. And so when you would like it was not uncommon for someone to say, Hey, do you know Jesus? Yeah. He's my best friend. And you're like, he's your best friend. Like he's dead. It's like, oh no, he's alive. Mm-hmm. You know, he rose from the dead, you know, like, and they're like, oh, wow, that's far out, man. Yeah, yeah. you were saying the word, uh, you know, that they felt the love, you know, and I, obviously that's, it's it's funny to say the word love because it, it it's such a general word these days. It's not, I don't know, I think in the hip, I mean, I don't know, I wasn't there, but in the hippie movement, they use the word love so much. And, and so I think they were all seeking this love. What I find, um, a word that is maybe kind of connected in the more modern culture, um, is going to be this, you know, the, the word belonging, you know, seems to be like a pretty like buzzword right now in general, but I think it's actually pretty, uh, important word because what I have seen in my church planting endeavors and different things that I've been doing, I have seen that people, they're like, yeah, I go to church or I'm going to go to church. I'll go to, I'll go to church. I'll try your church out or I'll do all these things. But, um, there's no plan. Maybe it's because there's so many churches. Maybe it's because 
whatever the reason, I think there's there's never too many churches, so I don't know if that's actually correct to say that. But for whatever reason, this church does this really well, this church does this thing really well, whatever. But the ones that, you know, after, after you know, uh, COVID and all the things that happened and, and all these churches shut down and then they started back up again, a lot of them realized that... Um, a, I think we need to stay open as much as possible. Okay, I do actually believe that. Um, but I think people are starting to realize, wait, I need an actual place that I belong. Mm-hmm. Because when I, all of a sudden, when that shut down, I felt like I didn't belong anymore because all I was was just watching something. And there's more to belonging. What's belonging? Belonging is being a part of a actual family like i like in acts 2 one of the one of the the verses that i'm really loving is where it says um and um i'm gonna botch it right now but and they they uh attended the temple together it's this idea where they actually were like they were already the church without the temple okay and they're like, let's go to the temple together. Like it was, there was a there was a thing, togetherness thing that they're going to the temple for. Right. And I understand that we don't really look at the temple as being the same thing as what we look at church now, but I think it is a really cool concept of can people feel like they're a part of Calvary Chapel, uh, name the city, okay, um, and the church building and the performance of it i'm not saying we're performing but like the production and all the great things that we have access to to do a great service and that shuts down for three months to six months can they still feel like they're a part of calvary chapel and name the city right and i think that that that's what showed or what was revealed during this time i'm not saying that they should shut down that's I think everybody has to make that decision based off of, you know, their own city and asking right. God and all that kind of stuff. I don't want to, like, divide over that. But what I do want to say is no matter what, I think we can all agree that we want to still belong to this church regardless of whether our buildings blew up. I mean, just imagine, like, let's say somebody dropped a bomb on our building. We would find another place to do this because it's not about the building or about the production or about the, you know, all of the staff could all get Ebola and die. Would the church still exist? It should exist still. Yeah, it will. Yeah, yeah. But I'm talking about this specific church, right? right? And it should. I'm saying it will. I know. And that's awesome. And that's, and that, but But I think there are some churches that won't. And that's what my point is. You're, You're touching on something. As you're talking, I'm, I'm reflecting back on this study I had when I was in high school. Like I said, we had five different churches, right? Yeah. We never, it never came into my mind that, oh, like you're a Lutheran. Yeah. So like you don't really belong here. Or you're a Presbyterian or you're a Baptist or you're a, uh, you're a whatever, you know? And yeah. like you're, we even had a Pentecostal, you know, a few Pentecostals, you know, and it was really focused on Jesus. Some people would even say that uh, Calvary Chapel was Pentecostal. Well, so. we, we are, <laughs> but we try yeah. to we try to keep it on the down low. I know. <laughs> but, um, don't let anyone know. Yeah, yeah, don't let anyone know. You know, we're. Uh, but yeah, it's like it never occurred to us. We were just like, "Oh, you're Christian. Oh, you should come to our Bible study." Yeah. yeah. It was. It was. It wasn't like we didn't. We weren't aware of the things that divided us. Whereas today, 
we're very aware of the things that separate us. Yeah. And and that's one of the things that I think when you see a move of the spirit, the spirit begins to tear all those barriers down mm -hmm. to where it's no longer about like all it comes down to is do you love Jesus? Yeah. And uh and it's like, yeah, I love Jesus. Well then you're then you belong. You know, we're we're together yeah, in yeah. this, you know? Yeah. And um and I finally made a shift in our church because there's always a thing like, okay, we, we don't want people from other churches. We don't, we don't want to reach, we only want to reach uh, unbelievers. And that really is our focus. But I finally came down to say, you know what? We're a Jesus church. We want anybody that loves Jesus to feel comfortable here. Yeah. We don't want them to leave their church to be here. Yeah. If they want to come and get filled up and go back and get yeah. and be able to pour out in their home church, that's great. We just want to be a place where people meet Jesus. Yeah. And we want to be around people that love Jesus and we want to do life with people that love Jesus and follow Jesus. We just happen to be called Calvary Chapel. Yeah. Uh, because that's what Calvary Chapel always was. It was a place. And if you would go to the Bible studies at Costa Mesa, you would see Catholics in their priest outfits that were going, you know, nuns that would go with Jesus to yeah. hear the yeah. Bible study, yeah, right? Because they yeah. wanted the word of God. Yeah. And so cool. uh, they were hungry for the Lord. And mm -hmm. so they weren't leaving Catholicism. They were going to find, they, they were yeah. wanting Jesus. Yeah. And, um, and so there was this, this acceptance and this love that would yeah. just transcend barriers, which is what what I love yeah. and what what we're wanting to see. That's the thing that to me is the Jesus movement. Mm -hmm. Love overcame everything that divided us. Yeah. In fact, that's one of the the things that, that you say we're we're you know, we're not against denominations. We're just against the things that divide people. Is it is it was on the bulletin of Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa and that really was the Jesus movement. Yeah. Oh. So so that's can cool. I can I ask you a question? Um with all that, I, I think you're. I think you hit a lot of things spot on. Honestly, I think we are very aware of our div divisive thing. I think actually, this is going to sound kind of weird, but I think again, I wasn't there, but this is just my my research and my my understanding of it is that it was very rare for the layman, okay, or for the standard person to know what divides people like to know all the secondary issues and all the details and why but we live in a time where we call the information age it might even not even call that anymore i think we've moved on that but i know that you know we would consider millennials part of the information age or whatever and so uh we are filled with podcasts like we're doing right now we're filled with any kind of blogs any kind of YouTube video that basically reminds us on a regular basis what at least this group believes the Bible says about this one thing, right? Like so many, my son being 22 years old knows a hundred times more about the secondary issues than I did when I was 22. And mm -hmm. I grew up in the church as well, you know, and it's just because of the information. So here's my question. How do we hold fast to what our convictions are of those secondary issues? Because they do exist. We do have to reconcile certain things, okay? Um, and yet, at the same time, be unified 
and actually like do you have any uh, advice for the for younger pastors that we do have our convictions of things mm-hmm. and yet we still we want an experience like the Jesus movement to happen i want believers to feel welcome when they come into our churches and and journey with us as we're trying to work through the secondary things and not go, oh, that secondary thing, I'm gone. I can't do it. Like, how do we do that? I don't, do you have any, uh, I know it's a big question, but yeah. yeah. Well, Amos says, how can two walk together unless they're agreed? And, but Amos didn't, wasn't bringing up all the things that we disagreed about. It's in the context of walking together. And so what, what we do is we just start walking together. And when people come in, I'm just like, hey, just hang out with us. And we keep it very relational. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we keep pointing people to Jesus. We keep reminding them it's about the love of God. And so, you know, love is what binds us together. If agreement is what binds us together, then what you're going to do is you're going to spend all your time defining Wow. What you agree about, right? Yeah, that's good. And that's what a lot of churches do. They're like, this is what we believe. This is how we practice it. This how, in, and if you're outside of these parameters, then you're not one of us. But it comes with that belonging idea. Right. Yeah, we don't, I don't belong here because. Yeah. yeah and, and what's interesting is that there's a lot, of, uh, a lot of millennials and even younger that are going to colleges so that they can be sure that they know what they agree upon. And they're learning from the experts. The experts say these are the things, the tenets that we hold to be true. Whereas um, love looks at relationship and, you know, it says love covers a multitude of sins. So it's like love is what binds us together. And so I don't have to agree with you to to love you. And I don't have to agree with you um, to walk with you. If you're going in a, different direction praise the lord yeah. you know you're you're headed you're gonna take that road i'm taking that road man god bless you man it's awesome and we'll hook up along you know as the roads cross again or you know we'll see you in heaven you know it's yeah. not, it wasn't like uh like we have to divide over something it was just but more... naturally you are starting to divide so you know like when you think of the road idea i'm not yeah. saying yeah. But it, but it was it was not like a relational divide because I still felt connected. Cool, you know. So like I have friends in different uh, denominations and different church families that I feel connected to, even though we don't see each other every week because we're not in the same church and we're in different circles. We don't go to the same conferences, but when we get together, we have fellowship. Yeah, and we love each other and we pray for each other. And there's that sense that we're all in the body of Christ yeah. together. And and they don't come around me and lay a trip on me. I don't lay a trip on them, you know, about how they're different. Uh, and then in our church, it's just kind of like we're all together and we're loving Jesus together. And when someone comes up and says, I disagree with this and I disagree with that, then, you know, I may try to explain it to them, like where I'm coming from, because maybe it's a clarity issue. Yeah. Like maybe I said something and it's confusing what I've said because I say a lot of confusing things. (laughs) And so it's kind of like, this is what 
I meant by that. And they might still say, you know what, I don't, I just disagree. And I, I'll just say, you know, maybe we're just a, di we're just different and we love you. And, you know, maybe God wants you to be someplace where, uh, where, um, where you feel like you could be a part of the community and not feel like you're always yeah. having to police us. Cause I don't, even though you're different from me, I don't feel like I have to police you. Yeah. And that's the love element, you know, love, love tends to overlook a lot of things that in the, today's culture, people are really uh, focusing on instead of loving one another. And um, I mean, at, at, in Calvary Chapel alone, there's, uh, I just astounds me to think that there could be four to 5,000 Calvary Chapels worldwide. So cool. And, uh, and I can guarantee you, not all four to 5,000 churches agree on certain things or practice certain things or agree to, on yeah. what practices. They're all, there's a wide variety, um, but there's love. And there's the, the focus is on Jesus. It's on the things that unite us, not on things that divide us. And it's on... Uh, being obedient to the Holy Spirit and being led by the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's not divisive. He doesn't divide. He unifies. And so when I'm being led by the Spirit, when I'm walking in the love of God, and, and when I'm focusing on, on the things that, I, that unite us together, I can walk with, all, with anyone. I can walk with anyone. And if there's something major, like, I mean, there are some major things that, you know, yeah. like there's some guys that just don't believe that God speaks to people or that God heals people. And so, I mean, we, I, I know that if they came to our church and they see us praying for people, they're going to freak out. And so, uh, cause they're, they don't believe in that, but that doesn't mean, you know, there's lots of churches for people that have all kinds of different flavors as Pastor Chuck would say, you know, I mean, you know, find a church that you feel comfortable in, but you're always welcome here. You know, this is always a place where you'll always be loved. You'll always be accepted. Um, that's Calvary Chapel. And that's, that's awesome. really should be our, our um, identity. Identity. Yeah. And unfortunately, it's, you know, in, in these days, it's we're more focused on what divides us than uh, than on the love of Jesus. And, and that's something that I believe that the, the Lord is wanting to address in these mm -hmm. last days. No, that's good. I appreciate that, Holland. I appreciate being on the show today, you know, just giving us your perspective and, you know, just talking through. I think ending it on that note is perfect. You know, Jesus said, you know, they'll know you, you're my disciples, by your love for one another. Right, so good. And I think that's something, you know, we need to be reminded of in our movement. Like, we need to be about the love of jesus and his body and his fellowship and you know if we do that well everything we can fail everything else right <laughs> our production our yeah we are going to our production all of our you know outreach all those things could fail but if we're loving man i think that's we're gonna we're gonna be okay so, yeah all right thank you guys so much for being on yeah the eq podcast is here as a resource for our listeners check us out at eqministry.com 
On our website, you'll find a variety of helpful tools, including past ministry conferences and a contact form to seek out help or counsel from seasoned Calvary pastors who want to encourage you in your serving or answer your ministry-related questions. Until next time, God bless.